Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Here's my shoulder For you to lean on When everything Is going wrong And here's my Hey, this is AJ Delaria, and welcome to Really Good Shares. This is a recovery podcast where I want to expand the definition of recovery. I'm going to be talking to people I want to learn from who have valuable insights into how to get better, uh, even if they haven't figured it all out yet. You'll hear interviews and storytelling contributions and some music from legendary soul singer Swamp Dog. Today's episode is about healing. It's about dogs, but uh, mostly it's about forgiveness. So today's guest is comedian, podcaster, human person, Jen Sturger, who has become one of the most important people in my recovery. And her other guest is my dog, Nesta Delaria. Hi, Nesta. You've probably heard him barking in the background of some episodes or licking a plate, which is gross. But Nesta is basically a living embodiment of what we mean when we say expanded definition of recovery. Like we're going to talk about his origin story, which is just bananas. Now, one of the not-so-fun parts of sobriety for me was when I realized how many people I'd hurt, how many people I'd deceived or dicked over, or I was unrepentantly cruel to. I still have many of them. It's still a process I'm working through. But imagine, if you will, having a run-in with a person whom you've hurt badly, a person who probably still hates you, someone to whom you should never, ever try to make amends with because they would do more harm than good. But sometimes that's out of our control. 
Between 2008 and 2011, I was editor of a sports website called Deadspin and gained some notoriety when I broke a couple of big stories. But one story in particular changed my life. Scandal that shook the world of professional sports. Allegations. Graphic text messages. Explicit photos. Portions of his own anatomy. Craziness. Infamous voicemail. To a female employee of the New York Jets. Brett Favre. The Brett Favre. Quarterback Brett Favre. He is football superstar Brett Favre. I was credited with breaking the story, but I didn't really do that. I actually stole it. Another sports media person named Jen Sturger told me in confidence and completely off the record that she'd been sent a dick pic and creepy voicemails from quarterback Brett Favre during a stint playing for the New York Jets. He was probably the most famous football player in America right then. And at that time, Jen had been working as a sideline reporter for the Jets. She was at every home game they played at MetLife Stadium. She never actually met Favre, but according to the messages, he was anxious to meet her. Jim, just got done with practice. Love to have you come over tonight. Give me a text. Love to see you tonight. But Jen didn't want the story out in the world. Not then, at least. She wasn't ready, and she feared that if it wasn't handled properly, her job and her career and her mental health would suffer. But I ignored her request and pushed ahead with it anyway. Acquired some of the text messages, a MySpace message, a dick pic, and most damning of all, the voicemails. Conclusive proof that Favre was harassing her. It quickly became a big story. Most national media outlets covered it, or at least talked about it. And the whole time, Jen suffered, professionally and personally, just as she told me she would. Here's Jen on Good Morning America telling George Stephanopoulos how little she actually had to do with the story. I, I was approached one day at the beginning of the preseason games by a man wearing a, a Jets badge, employee badge, who asked me, how would you feel if Brett Favre asked for your phone number? What would you say? And I just looked at him, my usual smart-ass self, and I said, I'd say I like my job an awful lot, and I've been told I look remarkably like his wife. Have a good day. Have a good day. And I walked away, and that was the end of it. So you didn't give, no. didn't give the number? No. But somehow he did get it? Somehow. I don't want anything from anyone except to go back to work. I just want to move on. And Jen wasn't the only person Brett Favre was being sleazy toward. There were three different massage therapists who also worked with the Jets that year who said Favre sent them inappropriate text messages. Eventually, the NFL opened an investigation into Jen's allegations of Favre's behavior and whether or not he breached the NFL's personal conduct code. It lasted most of the 2010 NFL season. Every national TV game gave an update on how the investigation was progressing. The only demand I ever made in the whole NFL investigation process, because I didn't have to cooperate, but I had a single demand, and that was to sit down with Roger Goodell. And he asked me what I wanted. And I said, it doesn't matter what I want because you're not going to do anything. He's like, I'm the commissioner. He's like, I can do whatever I want. I said, you can do whatever you want. I'm saying you won't do this. You won't do anything to him because at the end of the day, I don't make you any money. There was no legal standing for Jen to file any sort of harassment charges because, as was stated to me many times by the PR team for the Jets, Sturger was not a full-time Jets employee. Even though she spent Sundays at the MetLife Stadium where the Jets played in full Jets gear, warming up Jets fans, 
she was a freelancer who did not work for the New York Jets. And in the end, Favre chose not to cooperate. He was fined $50,000 by the NFL. That's it. To the NFL, her version of events didn't matter. I just wanted them to do the right thing. I just wanted someone to tell me that what happened to me mattered. And that what happened to me was wrong. And I handed over 18 binders of my life to the NFL filled with text messages, emails, MySpace messages. Yeah, MySpace. I'm dating myself here. Um, every electronic communication I had within like a year span of my life, I had to open to them, including stuff that had absolutely nothing to do with the situation, just for like context around my life. And all he had to do was say, I don't want to cooperate. Right. And that was all that he needed to say to just be fined for basically the equivalent of three minutes of playing time for him is what I think it came out to. Yeah, it's 50 grand. That's all my life mattered. Yeah. It's really hard when you find out your life and your suffering is literally worth less than like a mid-level Lexus. You can't even get heated seats for 50 grand, you know? The NFL was bad, but the way the media covered the story was arguably worse for Jen. Basically, she was depicted like an opportunistic gold digger. All the credibility she'd worked hard to build for herself seemingly vanished overnight. But the story wouldn't go away. People just don't realize like how triggering all that stuff still is for me. I feel like I'm the winter soldier and there's just certain words that activate me. You know what I mean? And if you yeah. say those words, I might throw a table at you. It's Favre tweeting something stupid and then right. my name being brought up just because I'm associated with him. Yeah. Or it's, you know, a guy sending a picture of himself to a female reporter because I'm always going to be brought up in that right. whole scenario because I'm basically patient zero of that happening, you know, yeah. in terms of, of us knowing about it. I saw that Jim was being run over by the press and I, I did feel terrible about it. I attempted to reach out to her after the Good Morning America interview. I mean... I'd helped run her over. I think I sent her one email, maybe two, but she never responded. I understood. In 2012, two years after the fire story broke, we almost got together. Scott Rogalski, a writer and comedian at a live talk show, and floated the idea of putting Jen and I on stage together to quote-unquote hash things out. Yeah, I wanted to bring her back on the show after that story broke. That's how it came together. Problem was, Scott didn't realize that Jen still hated me. This is incredible. Just to set the stage, this is a morning email, okay? I'm emailing you uh, after I went back and forth uh, trying to book you on my show. I had said earlier, here's the catch. I have Jen Sturger booked for that night. Not sure what your status is with her these days. Would you be amenable to a reunion of sorts? I come back to you. Guess I underestimated how much raw hostility remains. She said she'd be willing to do it if you'd be willing to, A, get in a Muay Thai ring with her, B, let her punch you in the face, or C, pay her therapy and PR bills that have piled up in the past couple of years. I'm assuming this ain't going to work. 
Unless you want to take a chance on the punching. <laughs> well, it sounds like I wasn't ready for it either. But after the whole Kogan trial, I understand how it can feel to be run over by a story and to be unable to outrun a story. I still thought of Jen Sturger, but I decided it's probably best just to leave her alone. I just hoped enough time had passed that she'd been able to move forward. Cut to 2018. I'm a little under three years sober. Still not a lot of time, still getting my footing, but happily settling into my new life. I have a wife, a one-year-old son. I have a daughter on the way. We live in a nice house in Southern California. My life is much quieter, and I'm starting to move on from my person I used to be and change the things I can and accept the things I can't. All that. I wanted the dog, but Julianne wanted to sensibly wait a little while until we had less babies around because that's a lot to handle at once. But she saw an Instagram pic of three puppies on the shelter kill list and couldn't resist. Fourth of July was coming up, and we knew the shelters were going to clear space for runaways. One of the puppies, this yellow-white lab mix, resembled the dog I had growing up. I mean, like, eerily, this was freaky. I even showed my parents a picture, and they said, that's Polar. That was the name of my dog growing up. So after that, I figured it would be downright unconscionable not to at least inquire. So Julianne emailed the rescue shelter, and within a couple hours, she heard back from one of the volunteers who was eager to bring the dogs over for an in-home inspection visit the next day. Julianne grew silent, almost anxious. She showed me the volunteer's email address and my heart closed up a bit. It was Jen Sturger. Well, I guess this dog will die, was my next thought. Or I could face this. I could derail this run in as best I could, hoping that she didn't show up at her house with a puppy only to find me standing there like a ghoul. I quickly dashed off an email to her. Look, I know you mentioned about dropping off the dog on Thursday, but I don't want to put you in any potentially awkward or uncomfortable situation if by chance I was here and you hadn't put it together by that point. Obviously, if me being part of this family unit creates a problem for you, I, I totally understand. And so does Julianne. We can totally adopt elsewhere. Either way, look, it, it's been a real long time, and I would love to finally apologize to you in person at some point if you're in any way up for that, and it would help at all. I felt so terrible about the situation. I didn't know what Jen would think. I didn't know if she'd even reply. But she did reply. You know, these dogs, Nesta and his siblings, they all came from a feral mom that, like, had had these puppies out in the middle of the desert. And this family was raising them. The dogs are just so trusting of kids that uh, I, I knew I had to place them in a home with with children and it's so crazy just because i fell into animal rescue i think because animals didn't want anything from me animals couldn't judge me based on my past they couldn't judge me based on internet articles jen was still planning to drive out to the desert in paris california to pick up this dog and drop it off on thursday i remember i asked one of the other girls in the rescue if she could go with me and she was like, she thought it was so weird. Kind of gave her like a breakdown of it. And she was like, oh my God. She's like, I can see why you might need an emotional support animal, you know, or emotional support human in this case for this type of meeting. And, uh, and she came with me. 
first stop was McDonald's, and then second stop was AJ's place. The dogs are just so underweight, you know, a lot of the times. I'll get them a, a puppy patty, basically, where it's just no salt, no bun, and it's just straight up mystery meat McDonald's. Honestly, it was the shortest drive back from the desert ever because I was so nervous. I was so nervous because I had never met AJ in person. Like, we had never met. No. Nope. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. We had just corresponded over email. Yeah, no, I was nervous. <laughs> I remember I had trouble picking out an outfit. <laughs> no, you didn't. I did too. I was like, what's going to be like the least threatening thing I can have? It all happened so quickly. I wasn't ready. I wasn't sure if she was either, but there was a knock at the door. And then there was Jen Sturgeon in our living room. I remember pulling up to the house. I remember my rescue partner helping me get the dog out of the car. And that's it. I think I blacked out. And I think it was because I was in such a state of like fight or flight. And that part of me is just broken um, that I just checked out and was grateful that I had, you know, another representative there with me. And it was more just making sure that, you know, was cool with the puppy and gentle with the puppy because sometimes kids can be a little bit rough. But again, these dogs were raised by kids. That's what they wanted, you know? By the way, those bleeps that you're going to hear, uh, that's just my son's name. We're trying to keep him off the internet for as long as possible. I was like, you know, I'm just going to say, hey, how you doing? And let Julianne take their care of the rest. Throw in the mix, make sure the dog and get along and then just like stand back and hope for the best and try not to like, yeah, do anything weird. Like that, <laughs> that was really, I'm, I'm like, and then after, I just love that. That's your, that's your inner dialogue. Don't be weird, bro. Yeah, that was weird. it. Just I mean, it was weird, just like, it. I was just like, don't, don't make her feel bad or make her feel like this is going to make the situation worse. Right. Or more uncomfortable. Right. And um, that, that was what I was, that was front of mind the whole time. Um, and then, you know, obviously when the dog stayed, I was just like, oh, I guess I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I think I had even said that though, in the email before we met up, I said, I'm not going to, like, I've never, I would never judge whether or not you were a good home for an animal based on your treatment of me. You know, right. it was more just like, I'm a proponent of rescue. I'm a proponent of giving animals a second chance. Right. And honestly, when you look at it, I guess I'm a proponent of giving people a second chance. When I think that they've done some kind of work on themselves and deserve it. So it's important to point out that after Jen dropped Nesta off at our house, we didn't really talk that day. She paid attention to how Nesta got along with her son and small talk with Julianne and I basically stayed out of everyone's way. When I first emailed Jen, I told her that if she was open to it, I wanted to apologize in person. I didn't know if that was still a possibility, but I figured I'd follow up. And a couple weeks later, she agreed to sit down with me to talk about everything 
we met at House of Pies, a kind of crappy diner in Los Feliz. I think we talked for close to two hours. Sometimes Jen gets asked why she chose to meet up with me in the first place. And sometimes I look at Nesta and wonder the same thing. Why on earth would you sit down with this person? Right. I was just genuinely curious, I think, what your side of the equation had looked like. Mm-hmm. And I obviously I knew of the the stuff that had transpired after the fact, you know, with uh, with the the Gawker Hogan stuff. I was just morbidly curious, like what you had learned from that experience, mm-hmm. and if it made you view how you guys handled what happened with me any differently. You know, right. if it gave you a new lens or a new perspective, because I think that sometimes the only way people can learn in life is to just absolutely hit rock bottom, to have everything mm-hmm. pulled out from underneath them and to just be shaken to their core is the only right. way like someone's going to have a fundamental character change. Because otherwise, I don't think people change all that often. Yeah. We're creatures of habit. We repeat the same patterns over and over again, like psychologically, because we're trying to fulfill certain wounds. I mean, this is 30 years of therapy talking. But we are yeah. we're constantly trying to close certain circles for ourselves. Right. And... I've always been one to really champion self-growth and becoming a better version of yourself. And I truly thought sitting down with you might give me some kind of closure that I wasn't getting anywhere else. Because let's face it, after a decade of therapy, like I still wasn't right. I still had those words that activated me. I still had people writing me telling me every day how I wasn't shit and how I wasn't talented and how I had my 15 minutes of fame just because somebody sent me an inappropriate picture. And those are all really tough things to hear about yourself and not let them somehow leak into your own narrative about yourself. You know what I mean? Like let them leak into your, your self like identity and your self worth. And I was just hoping to be able to sit down with someone that had been through something similar and see if there was just, there was something to glean from that conversation. Every day I still think how crazy it is this conversation actually happened. In fairness to Jen, this is a story that was mismanaged. I mean, by me, but also by a lot of people. So it was not her fault in any capacity. She didn't put it out into the world. She told me and I put it out into the world. My bet was that Brett Favre sexually harassing someone would overshadow the ethics of how I acquired that information. And I was right. The story was huge. Deadspin benefited from its popularity and my career got a boost from it. But I'd be lying if I said I thought it deserved that success. It definitely felt like I'd cut the line to get there. And this all came at the expense of Jen's well-being. Now, the worst thing that could happen with this episode is for it to be seen as evidence of my own growth. Because remember, I didn't reach out to Jen. The universe just threw us together. I doubt I'd ever reach out to her simply because I've learned enough to know that there are some people out in the world that will never, ever want to hear from me again. That if my email popped up in their inbox, it would cause more harm than good. The best course of action in those cases is to stay away and say a prayer and hope they're okay. The greatest gift 
zero contact. I got lucky with Jen Sturger. I got lucky that she just so happened to be the kind person volunteering at a rescue shelter whose heart was big enough to give my family a dog, despite how I treated her with the Favre story eight years before we actually met. This is your puppy, right? Mm-hmm. So do you love Nesta? I love Nesta. Is he your best friend? Yeah, because I love him. Nesta, Now, Nesta is this noisy, sometimes jumpy dog who you've heard on the show a few times. Nessie, it's a tiny dog. He's a good boy, despite all that. He's a member of our family, and he's so much more than a dog to me, obviously. He's one of the most important parts of my recovery. And one of the most important people in my recovery, like top three easily, is, is Jen Sturger. Part of my recovery has been recognizing that I did treat people badly on and outside of the internet. And some people, I just won't ever be able to properly amend that situation. I've tried, it doesn't seem likely. But I have to believe it's possible. I have to continue to do the work on myself and understand myself because I can't always depend on a rescue dog to intervene on my behalf. Life on life's terms, as they say. They hear Swamp Dog. Rescue me. Take me in your arms. Rescue me. I want your tender charms. Cause I'm lonely. And I'm blue. I need you. And your love too. Come on, baby, and rescue me. Come on, baby, and rescue me. Cause I need you by my side. Can't you see that I'm lonely? Rescue me. Now we've got a bunch more really good shares in the works, but for the next couple weeks, we'll be putting out some more pretty good shares in the meantime. So next, we're talking with TV writer, producer, Claudia Lana. It's pretty good. We're trying to keep a checklist of how we can become better people. See you there. Really Good Shares is hosted by me, A.J. Delario. We're produced by Julian Weller, Jackie Huntington, and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Lindsay Hoffman. Our theme music is Everything You'll Ever Need by Swamp Dog. In this episode, Swamp covered Rescue Me by Fontella Bass. Our executive producers are myself and Julian Weller. Special thanks to Mangish Hadigater and Bethany Macalusa. And thanks to Scott Rogowski for his appearance and basically building my whole family. And to Jen Sturger for continuing to be so generous with her time and her story. 
and for her forgiveness. If you liked what you heard here, check out thesmallbow.com. That's bow as in bow and arrow. Great. We'll be back next week with Claudia Lano. endless diets and weight loss struggles it's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results introducing smart metabolic burn from brain md your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat imagine burning fat balancing glucose levels and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks this unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula berberine which targets abdominal fat and oea which curbs your appetite with just two capsules a day Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.